0: Welcome to Your Partner in Success Radio, a program that values the potential of knowledge, collaboration, and growth. The show is hosted by Denise Griffiths, who is known as an intensely curious nerd in stilettos. Each Wednesday, she is joined by co-host Ben Gay III, a renowned figure in the sales world. Ben is recognized for introducing The Closers, one of the most popular and powerful sales training materials ever produced. Having been mentored by Dr. Napoleon Hill himself, Ben has gained a wealth of knowledge in sales and life. Throughout the show, Denise and Ben delve into the world of sales, entrepreneurship, and success, exploring Ben's vast experience from guiding and mentoring countless professionals to achieve unparalleled success in their careers. Together, They offer unmatched guidance to listeners seeking success in their professional endeavors.
1: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Closers Inner Circle Podcast, hosted by your partner in Success Radio. I am your host, Denise Griffiths, and together with my favorite person in the world, my co-host, Ben Gay III, we're diving into the world of sales mastery with a gem from the Closers Part Two. if you don't already know it and haven't heard me mention it before, these books, one and two are widely known as the sales Bibles and they've been around a long time. So last week we covered the Mastering Sales Strategies to Overcome Gatekeepers and Boost Your Income and that page is 141. The chapter is titled, Your Switchboard is Killing You. That was a fascinating conversation and I highly recommend that you go back and listen to it. So today we are opening up page 109, Power Closers, listen clearly. So here's the deal. For those entrusted with the duty and privilege of overseeing the actions of others, especially sales professionals, it's essential, I'm going to repeat that, it is essential to cultivate a unique perception. And that's a skill in discerning the unexpressed. In the realm of which means listen, you know, just sit back and listen. It's a valuable talent. The ability to listen is not just a skill. It really is a talent that can be honed through training and practice and recognition. So recognizing and understanding the nuances of what clients are communicating verbally and non-verbally is a crucial aspect of achieving achieving success in the sales industry. And this is a quote, Ben, that I, I highlighted a long time ago on page 110 you said one of my early mentors told me to listen to what people meant which usually had little or nothing to do with the words they were saying and that is absolutely so true so good morning ben welcome back it's this wednesday what can i say it's wednesday it's always my favorite day of the week
2: oh uh, well, i appreciate that and it's it has become mine also i always look forward to our uh sessions and uh I I learn, even though I do a lot of the talking, I learn from them because it makes me think of things that I I haven't thought about in a while. You know, we all drift away from the things we know, the things we should be doing, and so on. And looking at this chapter, Power Closers, Listen Clearly, 109 Closers Part Two, has been one of those experiences. There's a brief story in there about. a person who didn't listen carefully and lost a friend that he could have helped. And uh, so it brought back a lot of memories of when I was not a good listener. I'm an excellent one now. I find it pays as much or more than talking. We in sales are always saying, and then say this, and then say this, and then say, sometimes I want to scream no, and then shut up shut up and listen and that shutting up by the way doesn't mean just not talking it means listening intently Nelson Mandela uh, was a great speaker and in spite of 20 some odd years locked up in a prison somehow he gained even more speaking ability than he had when he went in and uh, but people who knew him well said his real secret was not speaking It was listening, and they coined a term that I still am fascinated by because it seems like a dichotomy. He was a dynamic listener. Dynamic is active, listener is passive. I had a tough time putting those two together in my mind and making sense out of them. But from everything I've read about him, he truly was a dynamic listener. And that became a goal for me to listen And I still slip up. It's been a while, but not too long ago, uh, we were at the post office dropping off some stuff. Gigi was standing right next to me and a guy we love there named David, great human being. I don't know why he's standing behind the counter at the post office. He could be doing something far more important, but he's handsome, articulate, et cetera. He said to me, Ben, how was your, it must have been a, a Monday. He said, Ben, how was your weekend? And my post office wasn't terribly crowded. So I told him how my weekend was in great detail um, and uh, finished. And that was pretty much that. And Gigi said, and how was yours, David? Um, Which was, <laughs> yeah, You I got thought,
1: snapped in public. <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, and how was yours, David? (laughs) I thought the truth is, it hadn't crossed my mind. Uh, because I was somebody says, I want to talk to you about you, you know, my ears go, it's my favorite subject, I love to do that. But becoming a dynamic listener doesn't really allow for much of that, it allows for listening intently. And here's one of the ways I've started to get good at it before I figured out it pays well uh I've made it a game you've you've seen people interviewed after a traffic accident. It's a joke in the legal system. Eyewitnesses to anything are generally speaking the worst witnesses you can have. And if you have five eyewitnesses to a traffic accident and you interview them, there are five you'd think they were talking about five different accidents so they they don't make good witnesses because they're not paying attention they're caught up in themselves most of the time even while watching something traumatic their thoughts are on them so i've made it sort of a game to become a good eyewitness in other words i'm listening to you talk now at some point in the future i'm going to be quizzed about what you said how you said it what your attitude was and so on So I pay attention to all those things deliberately like a game. Over time, it's become natural. I really don't have to do that much, but I still check in with myself from time to time to make sure that I'm really hearing what they hear, what they're saying, and its meaning, and its nuances, and so on. And I've gotten so good at it, I had to learn another skill which is nodding and reacting while they're talking because I, I developed my intense listening and stare to the point that I found I was unnerving people. Yeah. They're not used to being paid attention to. (laughs) And here's this person staring at them like a, uh, a scientist through a microscope into a, a specimen of some sort so I had to learn to nod and, and grunt a little bit, you know, mm-hmm, you yeah, know, okay. And then if I find them winding down, well, what about this or whatever and nudge them along so that they keep talking. But it's fascinating. People are so unused to being listened to. If you don't, if you do it intently and don't give them some feedback, it un- literally unnerves them and that's not good either. So it's, it's like a, guy on a high wire you've got to balance both you got to do both but you need to balance both so that they uh, are comfortable with the situation
1: and I'm so glad you're, you're bringing that up because it doesn't really it's not just sales I mean I've witnessed the same thing in my podcast and I can't tell you how many times I wish I'd started keeping track people have said to me because I always call my guests right after the show say, hey, thank you. Would you like to come back if that's appropriate? Yeah, you know, just mostly mm-hmm. it's a thank you. And is there anything else you want me to share with the audience? It's, a, it's not a goodbye call. It's a, hey, let's get this going call. And I've had many people say, Denise, I've never said anything like what I just said on a podcast. But I'm listening very intently. I'm literally listening between the lines. Mm-hmm. And I'm asking questions that make sense.
2: And taking notes, I and suspect. Taking,
1: oh, yeah. yeah. Look, I, I learned that from you. You and Dr. Napoleon Hill. I've got notebooks all over the place. I have a box now that um that is just from, like right now, I'm looking at my page, Ben, January 17th. I'm scribbling all over it. It'll probably be three pages before we're done.
2: We'll bind them up and let's make a book out of them.
1: Oh, well,
2: I can't do that <laughs>
1: because we have an early morning call before we start this call. <laughs> and as we've both mentioned before, we don't have filters. <laughs> so, <laughs> have a lot of fun, but no filters.
2: Yeah. Sometimes when we're chatting, I, I look up at the screen to make sure it doesn't say recording. Not that we say anything bad or wrong, but there's a little loosey-goosiness when two friends are chatting. Uh, that not may not play well in in England in three years. <laughs> I don't play in
1: Southwest Louisiana either. Yeah. So, <laughs> I know it's great, but you know when we get on that, I call it my virtual green room. We're talking about anything. I, mm-hmm. We may be talking about what your weekend was like. We we were talking just a few minutes ago about I put up. It's cold here right now. We have two seasons in this part of the country hot and hotter than hell <laughs> and then about we get you know five days of winter five days of spring they're never in a row you know tomorrow's supposed to be 70 degrees i think it was yeah. 90 degrees yesterday and i have put a picture of my little cat Odalie. she's 18 years old and then i get a note you know on facebook the gg saying that it looks just like our cats like oh you know the things that we talk about when nobody's mm-hmm. listening
2: our cat that looks like your cat uh, rules the roost, and he was brought on uh, right after we, we lost two chocolate labs back to back, and uh, one was hit by a car. My fault. He ran around the house chasing a ball. When he didn't come back, I thought, well, I'm just, he's been distracted. He'll be right back. And then a neighbor pulled up and said, Ben, I think Rocky is down on Highway 49, right on the yellow line, and he'd never done that before, and he went gone, and then his running buddy uh, died of a disease. I mean, I had to take her in and have her put down. She was really suffering, so uh, we decided we didn't want another dog yet, and maybe not ever, because we travel a lot, and you know, boarding, and this, and that, and so on, And I said, well, you know, cats are pretty self-sufficient. She said, do you really want to get a cat? And I said, well, let's see. And I started by putting some cat food in a bowl on the back deck. And uh, that drew several of them. Just dropped by for a snack. And then it really drew two of them. And the two each independently discovered the doggy door, which I had not taken out or blocked off. And suddenly, I'm you know I'm walking down the hallway, going somewhere, and here comes a cat. And I said, "Oh, hi, how are you doing?" And I thought we don't own a cat. Why? <laughs> why did Why did I just say hello to a cat in the dining room? You got <laughs> sucked
1: in immediately.
2: <laughs> yeah. So now there are two residential cats that we picked up uh, individually. But those are the little things. See, if you and I are talking a year from now, uh, I, I will have in my memory bank. That we talked about cats. I know how much you love yours. What is it? Hamilton is an ass is the name of you one know, of them. He's right. a
1: hashtag. Hamilton is anytime I'm talking like right, just now he's behind me on the futon. He heard me say the word hashtag. And his head popped up like, are you talking about me? Yes, I am.
2: <laughs> but if you listen, then it gives you those personal connections. I work with people all the time. Uh, prospects and so on and i'll say something like well you know when when you were telling me about bobby you know the junior who was in the cub scouts and and uh, did he ever get his weeblows badge or something and a proud father of course i can't see him frequently but proud father you can see him perk up and yes and then how did you remember that and i said i was listening you know, m- making mental notes. I know it's important to you. Your children are important to you. It's important that I remember what I can. I don't, I don't, I'm not ancestry.com, but if you have a kid that's in the Cub Scouts, I'll know that. If he was just starting out, I know he doesn't have his Weeblos badge yet. And, uh, and so on. And it means so much to people because, uh, Mary Kay, who was one of our holiday magic cosmetic distributors, I'd love to throw that in. She told me she just joined to get our manuals before she started Mary Kay, (laughs) but you know, whatever,
1: (laughs) whatever she did worked.
2: Yeah. Uh, But she used to say, picture everyone with a sign around their neck that says, make me feel important and you can make them feel important if you're listening we have a waitress that takes care of us at one of our favorite restaurants here locally, and Gigi, it's it's more her style. When she approaches the table before, would you like something to drink, or got a menu, to, before any of that comes up, she has a daughter who has some problems, and Gigi says, tell me how your daughter is doing. right. And we spend four or five minutes at least on that and off and on all night. But it was sort of like the day at the post office when Gigi said, and how was your weekend, David? Uh, When the lady approaches the table, I listen intently. But mentioning her daughter and her problems is not the first thing that comes to my mind. But female to female, it is. And uh, every time Gigi does that, I go, damn, why didn't I think of that? Well but you she, don't
1: have to, you've got Gigi.
2: Yeah, I got as long as Gigi's there, I can That's appear wrong. nice. <laughs> so, but but well, that comes talk- from listening yeah. with a capital L. Listening is yeah. an active skill. It's a verb.
1: It really is. And you know, people we we don't and you brought up something very important. I'm kind of my brain just split in half there. You brought up something very important because when we're just talking, we're just kind of, you know, repartee back and forth. We're remembering things that have been long gone. I mean, I Mm -hmm. had a podcast yesterday. It was about marketing. It was about, you know, how marketing has changed and we're doing now. And I told them the story that I have told before about the tire guy here in in Lafayette, Louisiana. This was many years ago. I cut cable a long time ago. And I suspect that this man has been passed for quite a while because Mm -hmm. he wasn't young then but how do you sell tires? Everybody's got tires. How do you sell toilet paper? Everybody knows what it is. You know, some of these things you have to really stand out in. And this is, we were talking about, you know, Cajun country and, you know, different ways of communicating. And this was a very tall Cajun man, not a pretty guy. He was kind of homely to be honest, but he was memorable. And he would get in front of a stack of tires because he owned the tire company and he would put on a bright red jacket and he'd stand there waving his arms around because that's a Cajun thing they think they're Italians but they're Cajun
2: (laughs) I'm married to one I understand
1: listen if somebody grabs my hands I shut up instantly I can't talk anymore and I'm not anywhere near being Cajun or Italian (laughs) but I talk I'm talking with my hands right now but this man would stand up there he would wave his arms around and he'd say tires you gotta have tires. They ain't purdy, but you gotta have them, or something along those
0: lines.
2: <laughs>
1: that was probably twenty years ago. I've never forgotten that commercial or the fact that they ain't party, but you gotta have them.
2: Well, that sounds he like was Cal part did of you, the
1: matter, didn't he?
2: Did you ever see Cal Worthington? I don't know how. No, I don't really
1: national know
2: national he was. Well, he in California, he was a god, and I got to meet him and go to his ranch and everything. Uh, but he sounds your friend sounds like Cal Worthington. Cal uh, would appear and say, uh, "Hi, this is Cal Worthington, and this is my dog Spot." Well, the dog was a chimpanzee or a baby elephant or <laughs> what <laughs> you know, whatever. And it, again, like your friend Helen Tires, uh, Cal's attitude was. You're going to, you have a car now, you're going to have more cars in the future. So I'm going to be memorable. I don't have to tell you what a car is. Right, right. We we all know what it is. Got four tires, generally speaking, a steering wheel, accelerator and brake. But if you come down here, you'll have a good time and I'll give you a good deal and and so on. And when I asked him one time about his style, he said, I found, I, I listened and I found out what people liked. Little side note about Cal. He and his wife got a divorce. And uh the way I met him was we flew, took our Learjet in to see his him and his Learjet, a mutual friend, had put us together and uh big landing strip right in the middle of his ranch. And I'm talking to him and and I said, Well, is is there a Mrs. Worthington? He said, Yeah, she lives over there on the other side of the ranch. And I I think I'm making up numbers, but if you went out his driveway and drove on the roads around to her driveway. It was like 15 miles or something uh, for to get from one house to the other. And I said, so you live separately? He said, oh, yeah, we're divorced. But I found out that living on this big piece of property together was cheaper than alimony and settlements and so on. So she has a wonderful life. I have a wonderful life. We're good friends. And we see each other two or three times a year on the same property.
1: See so that's the only way I could be married. You couldn't live with me or around me. You could talk, <laughs> me, but preferably on the phone,
2: yeah. <laughs> or by a text right. nowadays. Yeah, right. kids don't even like to talk on the phone. But anyway, listening to people—if you listen to them, for those of you in selling—if you listen intently, if you're a dynamic listener, they will tell you what they want to buy how they want to buy it, why they want to buy it. They'll do everything but write up the order for you. But you have to listen. That's assuming you're talking to a qualified prospect, somebody you pre-qualified and they're in the market, cars and tires, everybody's in the market who's over 16. So uh, that's a pretty easy one. But with all other products and services, if you listen, they will tell you how, why, when, and what they want. Uh, but you have to be listening. People, I, I watch people in selling situations have for years, and then when they get done with their little presentation, they'll ask, they'll ask the customer, so blah blah blah. And I'm thinking, didn't you hear him say that 15 minutes ago? You know, get out of
1: your own way, in other yeah. words, yeah. Stop talking and get out of the way.
2: Yeah, I've, I've told you the story, and I won't bore you with it again. But when we bought the the uh, our first Denali. At, gmc xl tahoe denali type thing the only thing i, I knew that G- general motors knew how to build a car that wasn't of concern to me. the dealership was owned by a friend of mine who was local so i knew who to raise hell with if something went wrong my only interest in any particular car was its weight because that was the first year the federal government had changed the rules for depreciation of a car if it weighed 6,000 pounds or more, you could write it off instantly, like a ream of copy paper. You didn't have to depreciate it over five years. So when I called to buy that car, my question was, do you have anything over 6,000 pounds? Oh, yeah. We have the so-and-so and the so-and-so. Are you interested? I said, yeah. I said, "I'll said, He said, I'll put them out on the lawn side by side, and you tell me which one you like. And it was a Tahoe and a GMC and so on. What we came down to was, it was the color. Gigi, because of the heat in our area in the spring and summer, wanted a white one. I didn't care. When we pulled up, there was a white GMC and a gold Toyota uh, something, Sequoia, I think it was. And I said, they both weigh 6,000 pounds. And yep, uh, Gigi, which color do you like? Should I like the white one. And then some young salesman—I I know I'm repeating myself now—some young salesman who he was going to give the sale to uh, said, "Okay, well, let me show you the so and so and such opening hoods." And so <laughs> and finally, Dave Clark, the uh, my friend and our vice president, charge of cars, butted in. He says, "Listen to me. They already told you they wanted to buy." They told you what they wanted to buy. They don't need to see the engine or the inside of the gas tank or anything else. Write it up. And he says, yeah, but I want to shut up and write I love it this story. up.
1: <laughs> I do. You can tell me this every week. I would still just chuckle at the same spots.
2: It was... Uh, because the kid was had learned his little presentation. I'm a big believer in scripts. If you have to talk, it ought to be something that's been tested and tested and tested. But I underline, if you have to talk, scripts are wonderful. Better yet, shut up and listen. They'll tell you. If, can you imagine having somebody come onto your car lot? I think that car was around $50,000 at the time. And say... Uh, does it weigh 6,000 pounds? Yeah, good, write it up. That's all I cared about. Literally, you know, I, I didn't make them weigh it for me, but assure me it's 6,000 pounds that we're in. But the kid missed that. I guess it was under the uh, thing of selling can't be that simple. Well, if you listen, it can be that simple. In every book I've ever read, I think there may have been an exception or two, about a great person. I I read biographies and autobiographies and so on. Somewhere in the book, you will find a quote by the author or some of the author's quoting and so on. And it's something like this. When I was with him or her, I felt as if I I was the most important person in the world, or I felt as if I were the only person in the world, when I, think I you got mentioned when I got my, about
1: Bill Clinton, and I've heard it from other people as well.
2: Yeah, Bill Clinton, uh, like him or not, and I have I issues don't. with some of his politics really okay? <laughs> uh, and and his morals. However, uh, everyone I heard somebody just yesterday on the news who knew him, I think uh, Brett Hume, I think said, "We have our differences." But he's the most charming man I've ever met. And he listens intently in the last 24 hours. I've heard this long after you and I decided that would be the subject today. And the Clinton, my favorite Clinton story is some guy person was with Clinton, I think, in the White House. Maybe they've been with him before and he never broke eye contact. It, It was if I were the most important, most fascinating person in the world. And then they brought in uh, some iced tea to drink in, in big, you know, southern tumblers, not an eight ounce glass, a southern tumbler <laughs> with a glass bottom. And he said I, 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 uh, something to the effect, I thought I was going to get a break. Clinton took his iced tea and sipped it. And I looked up and he was looking directly into my eyes through the bottom of his iced tea glass container. Oh, my said he just never broke contact. I never ceased feeling as if I were terribly important. My first job with Holiday Magic Cosmetics, other than being a distributor, but before I became president, I was sent on a trip to introduce and accompany William Penpatrick, which is the owner of the company, ran for governor against Reagan, et cetera. Uh, I was to accompany him. I also found out that meant, since we were traveling in the company plane, that that I carried a lot of baggage. (laughs) So I was a glorified bellhop and introduced him and so on. And he said, now, here's your most important duty. And I thought, oh, good. He's going to give me some tips on how he wants to be introduced and so on. He said, when I'm with somebody and I've been with them, it's getting a little long or awkward and the line is building up. Your job is to take me away. Take me by the arm and take me to the next person. And I, I said, that's it. And he said, that's your most important job on this trip. Do that. Because I am going to stare intently at them and listen to them until you come get me. I'm not going to say, well, I got to run. And uh, oh. so that that was, he was such a good listener. My job was to make him stop listening and move over. One time I went up to him. As that moment had come and I got him by the arm and I said, Bill, we've got to go over here or Mr. Patrick, whatever I call him in public, we've got to go over here. And he pulled his arm back. He said, not now, Ben, I'm talking to these people. And so I backed off later in the elevator going up to the suite. He said to me, what was wrong with you? You're on this trip to take me away from. it." I said, you pulled your arm back and said, not now. He said that was for their benefit. Not yours. <laughs> you your were job probably
1: trained. <laughs> yeah.
2: Your job is to take me to the next person. Do you have that? Uh-huh. Yeah. So there were a couple of awkward ones after that where I was dragging him away, maybe too soon. But I, I said, You're not gonna get me on leaving me with somebody again. And he said, Well, you let me do the listening and some of the talking, and then move me to the next person to whom I'm gonna listen. And he he was six three. And to most people, that meant he bent over just a little his cocked his head to listen to him intently and was a good starer. So when you got somebody who's 6'3", head copped, staring you dead in the eyes from maybe 18 inches nose to nose, it's in, rather impressive, can be intimidating. intimidating. But he, yeah. yeah, but he was a gracious Southern gentleman from Roper, North Carolina, so he didn't come across that way. But mainly. He listened, he listened, he listened. He was just unbelievable at doing it. And in every book, somewhere, mass different ways, you'll find that phrase. It's a common denominator among successful salesperson people. I've heard it said about Ross Perot, who was the top, one of the top salesmen in the world when he worked with IBM. He would meet his yearly quota, usually about the second week in January. Uh, And... uh, he just, is, I can hear his voice, but mainly I can picture him listening. By the time he proposed something to you, uh, he knew what you wanted. He'd been listening. In fact, I've told you my my big clothes, I have an 86% closing rate and have written 35 books about selling self-development and so on. But in all of that, I use most of the time one close and it is a version of this. Based on what you've told me, Denise, here's what I suggest we do. Fill in the blank. Fair enough. Or based on what we've been discussing or what we've discussed, Denise, here's what I suggest we do. Fill in the blank. Fair enough. And the reason I have an 86, there's other reasons, I only sell quality products that are competitively priced, et cetera, but the reason I have an 86% closing rate is when I tell you what we're gonna do based on what we've said, I know what we said. I know I've been, and I've already know, I feel an atmospheric pressure change. I already know you're gonna buy, what you're gonna buy, whether you need, whether you need payments or not. There are some people who are payment buyers, for instance, I saw a Rolls Royce advertise the other day, $450,000 new. I think it was near the top of their line. Maybe they have something else. Uh, and Gigi said, You want that, don't you? And I said, You know me better than that. No. <laughs> no, I don't want it. I don't want to be seen driving it and so on. But it is interesting. She said, well, What will they have to say to make you buy it? I said, $100 down, $50 a month, forever. Oh, forever. <laughs> yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't care how it long that. It, <laughs>
1: Yeah, there would I have can't... to be a succession plan, because obviously <laughs> yeah. somebody else would have to pick up those payments.
2: Yeah, but but three hundred fifty or $400,000 now, cash, there's nothing you could say. Nothing. But if a good listener was there, and he had the power to do it, of course he doesn't, he would figure out that when you get up in that range, I'm a payment buyer. I'll pay any price, as long as it's payments that stop when I die. <laughs>
1: Uh, that's never going to get out of my head. So thanks for that. <laughs> you know, I actually like that a lot. One one things, and I'm I'm kind of scanning the book a little bit. I'm on page one ten, and you said that one of your early mentors told you to listen to what people meant, which I you know, yeah, brought that up earlier, and you said it was a hard thing for me to learn. But there's a sentence that I I actually highlighted this, and I hate marking these books up, but. This one was important because I try to listen. I'm not always successful at it, but I do try to listen and I do try to pick up again between the lines. And the sentence here is when we become really sensitive, even the words being used become less important. We can operate mainly on the feelings that we pick up from others. That is absolutely true in my life. Absolutely
2: true. And you would be better at that than I would. And all the females listening are better than that than the males listening. I know that sounds sexist, but sexist, but it's true. It, 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 not everybody's perfect at it. But generally speaking, with a broad brush, uh, women are more sensitive and attuned. So if they get trained uh, to operate effectively combined with their sensitivity, they're killers. I'm talking about selling now because that's what we talk about. But in any regard, they are killers. I grew up uh, working at Macy's, my first sort of corporate job. I had my own business when I was 14 and so on. But by the time I got a real job taking back returns the day after Christmas, my senior year in high school, it was at Macy's. And so I grew up around the, the, the top of the top of the pyramid was men by and large. But from buyer up, the store was run by women and they were the executives. They were the tough people, et cetera. And I learned so much from them. They heard things I didn't hear because I wasn't listening effectively or wasn't listening at all. I was a lot of people confuse quiet with listening. Quiet usually means I'm waiting for you to shut up so I can tell you what I've been thinking about for the last five minutes. And in the middle of what I see this were, a lot. Yeah, when you were crouched, wait ready to say your next thing, they may have said, I'll buy anything at six thousand pounds. But but if you didn't hear it, it's useless information to me, to you, uh, and to them. And but the women are by and large better. And I went from there, I had some stops in the middle along Longwind food brokerage and so on. But then I got in the cosmetic business. And only five years after I started at Macy's, so I, I've been in women dominate. and then I created the call center industry, dominated by women. And all of my managers were women. Some of my top salespeople were women, uh, but the people who ran the business day-to-day were almost 100% women. I'm more comfortable around them, because they tend to listen, they they uh, have great suggestions. Once you've settled on some sort of solution, they actually do it. Uh, it's it's the reason women run while the man is allowed to think he's running it., uh, they run families, they run businesses they make. I've seen statistics. I don't know who makes these things up or discovers them, but that they make something over 60% of all buying decisions of any significance in the home and and so on. So for you ladies listening, you have an adv- unfair advantage. You have a natural skill with listening and persuading and so on that we men have to almost without exception learn. And even when we learn it, we're still not that good at it. I was asked one time on a national radio program uh, Barry Farber in New York, who, who was a big deal. I hope he's still with us, but I sort of doubt it. Uh, anyway, Barry asked me live on the air one day, well, would you rather be a female or a male in selling? I said, well, I'm comfortable being a male, so I'm happy with that. But if I was talking just selling only, here's how I would like to come back as a attractive black female. And he, he says, why is that? And I said, attractivist, anybody can figure that out. Uh, black, I get into places where they're afraid not to let me in. Female, because I can listen, take action, be empathetic, get all the things going men have, plus stuff that they will never master like I have. So that's who, and when I say that, I always have one lady in mind. She was with IBM and she used to call on us and the managers and, and my wife at the time, she since passed away, but uh, my wife at the time would come in and sit down and pretend like they were listening to the, her presentation. And one day she said, how come you guys always come in here? And they said, because you're a good looking female. I think they skipped over the black part. You're a good looking female and he will do anything that you ask him to do. So we're here to make busted. sure he doesn't he doesn't go overboard.
1: <laughs> I don't think with you're her. That, I don't think you're that skirt, weak though, with her oh. short
2: skirt and and beautiful legs.
1: Okay, got it. Never yeah. mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> I remember posting a picture that was not me. It was a cute little picture on one of my podcasts, and it was a pair of legs and a red bag and, you know, me and my, my shoes and my book. And you said, nice legs. I said, no, those are Walmart legs. I have Nordstrom's legs. (laughs) (laughs) That was the end of that conversation. (laughs) But but I wanted you uh, two things. Oh, we are, we're going to run out of time in about 10 minutes. There's two things I want you to talk to us about. And listen, this is a, we may have to come back and, Look at this again next week, at least partially, because it is a longer chapter and there's a lot going on in it, but you're talking about listening and you were talking about when you read a humorous but true story about the Australian explorer, Sir Edgeworth David and his assistant. Tell me about that story.
2: Oh, it was, it, it, it's written in the book, so make sure you catch it. But it was, you're talking about when he said, I help, I need help or whatever. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and his um,
1: assistant didn't quite hear the, the it, underlying,
0: yeah.
2: He, didn't hear the, yeah, he didn't hear the tone in his voice and so on. Uh, uh, it's only a couple of chapters, uh, paragraphs. Let me read it. I thought of all this when I read a humorous but true story about the Australian explorer, Sir Edgeworth Ed, Ed, David. See, I made
1: you mess it
2: up. Sorry. Yeah. And his assistant, Douglas Mawson, seems that Mawson was busy in his tent when he heard Sir Edgewood Edgewood call out, Are you very busy? And uh, he said, Yes, I am. What's the matter? Are you really very busy? The voice said with a little more urgency, Yes, Snap Mawson. What is it you want? There was a moment's silence, and the voice became uh, more, uh, came again apologetically. Well, I've fallen down in a crevice or a crevasse, and I don't think I can hang on much longer. <laughs> That's listening not only to the words. He answered the question, heard the words, answered the question, but he didn't hear the urgency. The pro- I have a thing. I have a friend who calls frequently. We're like the bro- he's the brother I never had, and uh, we have a rule. Uh, if you call and I say we got to make this quick, that means unless you're bleeding from an open artery or have a compound fracture, keep it short and I'll get back to you. Some of that we're good enough friends. We can say I got to go. Goodbye. Uh, but the point is I'm listening. It, you know, when he calls, it's not always just an aggravating call about politics and what do I think about this or that. It's possible. He's calling from a car that's upside down in a ditch next to a freeway. And you you must listen for the tone of urgency as uh, they did when he had fallen into a crevasse. <laughs> is, it, is this, are you really busy? Yeah, I'm really busy. What do you want? I'm about to die. See, and he
1: should have caught that. He should have picked up on that immediately, but I do agree with you that women tend to be a little bit more on the empathy side of things, and we hear things that, I'll be honest with you, a lot of people wish we didn't hear, and we never forget it, and we will bring it up 10 years down the road.
2: While uh, our folks are in the book, if they're smart enough to have the book that we teach from currently. Uh, I also told a story from David Niven's book, Bring on the Empty Horses. David Niven was a famous entertainer, actor, sort of a comedian and so on, and a wonderful writer. But he has a book or had a book, Bring on the Empty Horses that I suggest you read. But the story I told was a friend of mine, as I wrote it in the early part of that chapter, a friend of mine had a friend, who looking back with hindsight was pleading for help and uh, expressing concerns and so on. And David Niven had had a similar situation that he wrote about in Bring on the Empty Horses with a friend of his. And uh, so anyway, my friend, and because it was me, uh, died, committed suicide. And looking back, the signs were there. I should have picked him up. I should have sat down, held their hand and said, oh, let's talk about this. David Niven's friend, uh, he, he doesn't reveal it was him until the end of the book. But in David Niven's case, he was the guy who wasn't paying attention, wasn't listening. So its a, it's a great book. It's a funny book. I encourage you to read it. But there's a tremendous lesson in that one and in my dead friend. I even saved the life, I, I is the royal eye, the royal we saved the guy's life without realizing it because I took time to listen. I didn't know what he was up to. I didn't know the good I was doing, but I did take time to listen and give him hope and tell him how good his, I thought his idea was and I'd help him with it and so on. Years later, he's sitting down with, a, uh, by then, a business partner of mine, My name comes up, he puts his head down, starts crying. And my partner, Sam, he was telling me later, he said, I thought, my God, what have I gotten myself into? The sound of your name makes people cry. And well, it turns out he came over from San Francisco to my home in Marin County, drove over the Golden Gate Bridge uh, to see me. And I spent time with him, really did think he had a good idea. He was a good looking guy, articulate and everything. What I didn't know was down in the car uh, was his suicide note and uh, some other personal things. They I used to pick up jumpers off the of Golden Gate Bridge when I was in the Coast Guard. There are things they do that are really unusual, fold up favorite clothes and all sorts of things and leave it behind, usually with a note, sometimes profound. Sometimes it said, I told you, <laughs> you know, get away from oh, me. Right. Uh, But uh, anyway, uh, he told Sam that he had the suicide note was written. He drove across the Golden Gate Bridge. His intention was to drive back across the Golden Gate Bridge on the way to San Francisco, but stop mid span and jump. And uh, Sam said, well, obviously, you didn't. You're here talking to me. He said, no, Ben Gay, listened to me and convinced me that I could be successful. Now, I'd like to say, and therefore, I saved a life. Well, I saved a life by action That wasn't on my mind. But listening has its effect no matter what's on your mind.
1: It does. And, you know, you'll you'll look on social media and you'll look. I try to avoid, and I'm on social media. I have to be for myself and for my clients. But I can stroll, scroll. Quickly, when I hit something that just goes ick, and I don't even need to be a sentence in, and I'm rejecting it, I don't play with these people. You know, if they're going to be nasty, ugly, let's just go with nasty and ugly. I don't want anything to do with them. I don't give them my time. And I really do wish that more of us would just say, listen, there's so much good in the world. There are so many terrific people, pets, flowers, snowstorms, look around you. The beauty is there. Don't get stuck in the garbage.
2: Yep. Uh, and there's there's plenty to keep you busy with the good folks.
1: Oh, yeah. And I wanted to ask you, when we were in our virtual green room, I'm still laughing about it, and I wrote down a little bit, an exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, <laughs> which means I want you to tell us about that.
2: Uh, Denise was, uh, listeners, Denise was telling me about a situation where people didn't necessarily or don't necessarily pay strict attention and so on and and they've heard your message and not real excited to hear it again i'm speaking in rip i was trying to remember the name of the city it just came to me denise i was speaking in ripon california the amon
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Okay, almond, yeah. yeah. the amon capital of the world i said isn't that almond or somebody said no when we pick them, we shake the tree and we shake the L's out of them. Uh, <laughs> uh he, said, he said, Serious almond growers say almond, not almond. We know you're not from here when you we hear you say almond, anyway. To the state convention of the J of the California JCs, so I'm introduced. I get up, go to the front of the room. And unbeknownst to me, I heard about it later, young Ben, who I'm guessing was eight or 10, had looked out the window and there was something more interesting going on outside a playground or swings or other young people, something. So when they all stood up to applaud me, he used that opportunity to sneak out the the back door. And this guy stopped him and said, "Uh, young Ben, uh, aren't you going to listen to your father's seminar? He said, mister, I live in a seminar. And kept going. <laughs> so uh, it brought home Jesus thing about it's it's hard to be a prophet in your own hometown.
1: Yes. And my comment was, well, at least he said, Mr. These <laughs> days, I, I think that would be completely just forgotten about.
2: Right. But he, he was born and raised in California, but he was raised as a Southern gentleman. Southern,
1: right. Right. Which I think everybody should be. We We know our stuff down here. We really do. Yes. Listen, Where what are we going to... And I really want to encourage people to get the closers, at least part two, but they, they typically when Ben's going to give you the information how to get these books, you need them in your entrepreneurial library. Trust me on this. But if you have to read just one, go to part two, and then maybe go back to part one. Because part two. Well, Ben, I'll have you explain what the difference is between them, but... I, I am constantly picking up part two, and I've had this book for years, and I'm in it all the time.
2: Well, I appreciate that. Closers part one lays out the the kicks, the blocks, the punches of selling. It's not politically correct in some places. It's correct, but it's not politically correct. I'm not sure some of the phraseology I would write that way today, but it, it doesn't change anything, and I've been encouraged by people not to change it. But I was also told along the way by others, some of my mentors, uh, Ben, why don't you tell them what you really do, though? You know all that stuff. You know all the tools at your disposal. But tell them what you really do because that's not it. You and Jimmy Rucker don't sell that way. And what he was talking about was Closer's Part, what then became Closer's Part 2, shows you what sophisticated people really do with the hard-edged information in the closers part one. You need both, but if I had to pick one or the other, I'd pick part two, it doesn't sell that way. Part one is far more popular because uh, I guess it's easier, you know, grab them by the throat, get their money, et cetera. They say this, you say this. Closers part two shows you what sophisticated people would really do with that information. Cary Grant once said, the secret of acting was to not get caught at it. That's also the secret of selling, not to get caught at it. If you watch, I'll use him because he's easier to talk about than myself. If you watch Jimmy Rucker, when he was selling with me and for me and so on, you'd never catch him selling. You just watch somebody chatting and they're laughing and giggling and having a wonderful time and hugging Jimmy and getting out their checkbook in those days, credit cards later uh, and buying. Uh, they they absolutely loved him and they loved him. One, he intuitively and instinctively was a great guy, but they loved him because he knew the skills of being loved. And the closers part two shows you how to get through those difficult situations that most amateur salespeople fear to get through them smoothly, come out the other side. In my case, 86% of the time with an order. And if you want to if you want to get your own copies of it, there's a special place to go where you get special pricing, free shipping. I still sign them and date them. They uh, they uh, and they come with the same unconditional lifetime back, no questions asked guarantee. Uh, and that's go to stores s t o r e s dot ebay dot com c o m forward slash all one word, Ronzoni Books, R-O-N-Z-O-N-E-B-O-O-K-S. If your order's in by 2 uh, Pacific time, they'll ship it that day and you'll have it in just a few days. And I really encourage you, you got nothing to risk, nothing to lose. Uh, we've sold millions of copies of the b- various books. Uh, And we've had, I think it's three returns, grand total in all these years.
1: And one was a used book that probably came from a garage sale.
2: Yeah, well, we have tightened it up a little bit. We say (laughs) money back, meaning you had to put money in (laughs) to get your money back. Odds are we have you in our files and we know uh, better yet, save your receipt. But you're not going to send them back. Millions of copies sold three returns.
1: No, mine's never getting returned. And you just said something we may have to tackle on the next podcast because we've only got a couple minutes now. And you said something that had me scribbling. I had to move a cat's butt off of my pad here, but (laughs) I scribbled down the skill. And We're talking about Jimmy Rucker, the skills of being loved. I have never heard that before. I don't even know what it means.
2: Well, you do if you think about it for a minute, but just know that Jimmy Rucker is the type of guy who would meet you and in five minutes, you would think you'd known him forever and he was one of your best friends.
1: That's a skill.
2: It's a skill because he uh, he knew how to sales infiltration. The best thing I've ever written about selling the last chapter in the closers part two should be dedicated to him. Because he showed me how to, I didn't know the word for it, but he showed me how to infiltrate people's defenses. He knew what he was doing. He wasn't just a a goofball uh, handshaker. He knew what he was doing. Uh, And when little things popped up that might have thrown him off a little bit, he didn't get thrown off. He turned two degrees to the left and got around that and so on. I'll talk fast. One of my favorite times, if I had done it, I'd have been punched in the face. A guy at a meeting, when it came time to close, said I would buy, I'm in, but I didn't bring my checkbook with me. Rucker stood up, leaned over the table that was between him, said, oh, sure you did, because everybody carried a checkbook then, reached into his coat, vest, pocket, where everybody kept their checkbook, and he said, I reached on the left, because I knew he was right-handed, so... He'd observe that, so I knew what it would be. And I reached he reached in, pulled out the check, and we said, Here it is. Oh. Put it down in front of him. And the guy wrote him a five thousand dollar check, fifty thousand dollars in today's money. I said, Rucker, how did you do that? He said, We were buddies. He forgot he brought his checkbook. Wink wink.
1: Wink wink, exactly. <laughs> my eyebrows went almost cleared my hairline. When that. <laughs> like, okay, I got it. <laughs> Them that is I I couldn't do it. Like, You know, I've got chutzpah. I, mean, I guess that's not a southern word. But, you know, I often do and say things I probably shouldn't and get away with it. But I'm pretty sure I couldn't pull that off.
2: Yeah. And they have to know I couldn't either. I still wouldn't do it unless it was somebody I really, really knew. And we were just goofing around, you know, like he lost a five dollar bet in a bar and said he he'd pay me next time he saw me i might say no you'll pay me now <laughs> you know but in business with somebody you've only known for about 30 minutes that's unbelievable but Rucker and he were the best of friends by then because Rucker made them the best of friends
1: it's amazing I and mean, that really and i'm going to be pondering that for the rest of the day i'm sure so before i let you go what are we talking about next
2: well, you said you it's might windy. want to finish up some point in the, in the chapter we were in. That's possible. But when we start yeah. new, page 113, become an expert.
1: Okay, 113.
2: In the closers, part two.
1: And eventually we're going to circle around to the infiltration, infiltrators tell me what tell me what i'm supposed to be saying here sales infiltration (laughs) sales
2: infiltration requires an infiltrator to do it
1: yeah we're going to get there down the road i don't want to rush it because that is a very very important chapter and i'll be honest with you a lot of the things that yeah sometimes we'll we kind of we, we do wing it. We don't kind of wing it. We wing these these entire conversations. And sometimes we're talking about things that have happened to you, with you, with the famous people that you've worked with. Almost like an autobiography. I'm constantly trying to pull these great stories out of you. And then other times, like today, you just want to talk business. Like, well, darn it. So next week, just be warned. I'm going to be asking <laughs> you for some
2: funny stories. But Next week, be nice. Is that what you're saying?
1: Uh, no. No, No, you just be you. (laughs) And then I'll do a Gigi and go. And (laughs) (laughs) I love her. I learned so much from her. So anyway, everybody who is listening to us, grab these books. You can find us anywhere on the Internet. Seriously. And you just look for our names or go to the Closers Inner Circle podcast, which is hosted by my podcast, Your Partner in Success Radio. The truth is you can't throw a stick on the Internet without hitting us. Ben, do you have any last minute thoughts before I cut you loose here?
2: Uh, No, I just am thrilled that everyone stayed with us and visited. And I'm speaking to people who will be listening to this podcast years in the future since they are evergreen and float around forever. Uh, The truths that I try to teach are truths, whether I learned them 40 years ago or you're listening to them 40 years from now, they are the truths. So do what Dr. Hill used to tell me all the time, Ben, take action.
1: I wrote that down on my, I cleaned my whiteboard for the new year. I mean, I took it off the wall, cleaned it, tried to get the ghosting off of it, but the it all it says is one thing on take action that's all it says i'm sure things will get added but for right now that's what i see when i look up take that's, action
2: that's really important he is dr hill said to me in a famous meeting which we'll talk about paper at some other time uh he said ben you're dithering <coughs> take action
1: i didn't mean to cough on you sorry about that's that but right. Yeah, you're right you're you know take action. You've talked about it. Tony Robleski has talked about it. Anybody who is, and I think and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm off on a tangent a little bit here, but people are still trying to figure out the secret to, you know, his writings. And he thought
2: said, that was amusing.
1: I know, you said, said this before, take it action. Was take action. Take action. <laughs> right. And
2: I, I forget how many times, he, he knew the number, he said, I mentioned it, you know, I'm making up numbers, 70 times in the book a think and grow rich is a sales training book
1: exactly it's
2: not deep philosophy and b its main message is take action
1: and you know once and i didn't realize that i've had that book i've read it multiple times i've listened to it on audible and until you said that to me one day i went what how did i miss that and i did I
2: really did. It's like the diet book I'm going to write someday. It's titled, Eat Less. And when you open it up on every page, there are two words, eat less.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And the conclusion can be, move more.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I sure love being with you. uh, And uh, it's an honor to be associated with you.
1: Well, thank you. And I feel the same way about you. And we talked about, you know, people be listening to these podcasts down the road listen one of the very first conversation we had i don't know if it was eight years ago ten years ago it was a long time ago people are still talking about that and that is still one of my most downloaded episodes ever Hmm. so yeah they're still listening they will be listening well listen everybody thank you for joining us we look forward to seeing you again on next week and listen if you have questions for us sales questions podcast questions success question whatever you've got get a hold of us on linkedin or facebook or wherever you can find us ask us your questions we'll answer them and we'll gladly do so so goodbye everybody have a terrific day ben tell gigi hello and thank you and i'll talk with you again next week